today's guest speaker is Kenneth Watson Jr. And he is the author of 12 Faces of Sober. 12 Faces of Sober. And you can find that book on Amazon. Uh, where else would it be? On uh, 12facesofsober.com. So okay. the number 12facesofsober.com. Right. And you can uh, click on a uh, signed copy. Get a uh, signed copy from yours truly. And I will link all of that down below. I did start reading your book, but I wanted to hear the story come from you. I want to tell the audience and listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're from and where you currently live and how long you've been sober. Okay. Well, hello. Hello, Krista. Uh, first and foremost, thank you uh, for allowing me to come on and share my story. Uh, my name is Kenneth L. Watson Jr. Um, I am the author of uh, 12 Faces of Sober. Uh, the book has been out now um, since August of August of 20, August of 2020, uh, give or take, like July 31st, August 1st, somewhere around there. Um, I was born in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, don't, I, at that time, I didn't really know too, know too much about it, but um, I was raised in San Diego, California. Uh, my dad was in the Navy, so I pretty much uh, lived from, uh, lived there from uh, 82 to 2000. Uh, my dad pretty much, uh, I witnessed my father drinking at a young age. And, um, you know, he went from uh, pretty much, you know, would work a regular, you know, Monday through Friday job, uh, you know, come Friday nights, he was ready to drink. So I saw that at a young age. And so I guess as a reward to me, uh, my dad would uh, be like, hey, Junior, go to the kitchen, go get a, go get me a beer. And my thing was just the actual opening, opening up the can and hearing that yeah. That that was instantly it. I was more excited about that than actually drinking the beer. And so um I was around it. I saw it. My dad, he uh, you know, uh we lived kind of like it was almost like a projects per se, because it was a you know, it was in Navy housing. It wasn't on a Navy base, but it was like a big courtyard or probably about 10 or 15 houses and um or apartment styles and stuff like that or condos. But my dad would be up so late that he, you know, they would call the shore patrol, which is the police. And so we, you know, I, I was, you know, kind of, you know, traumatized at an early age when it came to the police. You know, he never got arrested, but it was more or less of a noise complaint. Hey, you know, keep it down. But my actually my first time of drinking, I was 12 years old. Um, my well, getting drunk, I'm sorry. But I. um uh, my dad, he used to, uh, like I said, he was in the Navy. And so he would always have like, you know, liquor bottles from uh, different countries. And so a buddy of mine was over on a Friday night and I was like, hey, man, my dad's got all this alcohol. He's not going to miss it. So let's get drunk, you know, or just have a couple of drinks. And that one drink turned into about 11 or 12 shots of uh, Christian Brothers brandy. And I got, when I say sick, I got extremely sick. I, um, the carpet that was in there, like my parents never pulled that carpet up. So like from 12 to 20, they never pulled the carpet up. And that stain like stayed in that carpet because like I was drinking like Kool-Aid, eating oh, hot yeah, dogs yeah. and French fries and stuff. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah. But that, I didn't stop drinking, you know, every now and again, if I was at a buddy of mine's house and his sister, she was older. She was in high school. So 
she would get us, you know, get us a wine cooler or a beer here and there. And so at that point, like I said, I never necessarily saw it as a problem. I get into high school, the same thing. I, you know, was an athlete and, you know, Friday nights, you know, after the football game, somebody had a house party. After the basketball games, the same thing. Somebody had a house party. Somehow, some way, people were able to get kegs. People were able to get alcohol. And I was one of those that that drank. And so every weekend I was drunk. I, a lot of times I would pick a pack a bag. My mom wouldn't see me until Sunday. This is in high school at 16 years old. And so, but even though I was drinking on these weekends, it wasn't something at least I didn't do in high school during the week. I'm, I'm sure people were doing it, but it wasn't really my thing because I, like I said, I was, I had a, a sports career that I was looking, you know, was looking forward to. And so I didn't um, really start like picking up the heavy drinking until um, roughly like once I got into college, those last couple of years um, I had before I, I got my uh, bachelor's degree in Minnesota. I had went to three other colleges and I didn't really drink at all. Didn't, you know, went to the club every now and again, but not too big of a deal. But now I'm stuck in this town. It was like, we're kind of forced to drink because it was like you, you were like an hour away from Minneapolis and you weren't necessarily like, Oh, want to go down every weekend. So that's where the drinking started to kind of pick up getting drunk more, but not necessarily drinking day to day. And I graduated college in 2003 and I worked in radio. I was an honor personality, did promotions in Minneapolis, got my dream job. My, my bachelor's degree was in communications broadcasting. So it was like, here I am, I'm doing it. Um, first two years, I'm experienced to a lot of different things. I'm experienced to drugs, I'm experienced to, to sex. Or sex, drugs, and rock, you know, rock and roll mm-hmm. working in radio. And, but I was still that person because I, I had to drive. So my drives were like 45 minutes. So I didn't necessarily drink. But once I decided to pack up and go to Arizona, it's when I started to actually experience all, you know, the, the issues with drinking because I had the hopes of, you know, I worked, you know, at this point, it was like four years in radio thinking that I would be able to just to walk into Phoenix and get a job in radio. And it wasn't the case. And so instead of that happening, I was stuck trying to just take any job that I could. So here it is. Like I busted my behind trying to get this bachelor's degree and now I can't even do anything with it. So I started taking other jobs. So the more time I spent hanging out with my brother, you know, I was just drinking like Bud Lights, MGDs, now they're drinking malt liquor, St. Ides, 211s, Old English. And now, you know, I, this this is some of the stuff I was experimenting in high school. But now I'm drinking these malt liquors like on a daily basis. So it started to kind of, you know, it, what birds to, together flock together, you know, whatever that saying is, or birds of a feather flock together. Yep. But I, my brother's problem, like my brother's friend's problems now became my problems. If I was dating, like if they're having marital issues, you know, one of them are, now I, somehow it trickles down into the relationships that I may have been in. And so I'm, I'm now taking on these, 
these older emotions at at 25, 26 that I shouldn't have had to necessarily been dealing with because I wasn't trying to be married and I'm hanging out with all these married guys. And so I eventually started to get into, I ain't going to say necessarily like trouble, but I was having alcohol-related incidents. And what age was this? This was, um, I was, um, I was like, I, I would say maybe 26, no, 20, 27, I believe. 27. About 27. Because I had, um, I got engaged and um, the woman that I was with, I actually met her in high school, just bumped into her. Like I, I was living in San Diego, came to Phoenix, left, came back to Phoenix 13 years, and I just bumped into her one day at Walmart. And so we got together and, you know, she basically, you know, played with my emotions. I didn't have enough money for her. I was trying to get jobs but couldn't find jobs all to impress her because of the standards of the guys that she met, you know, that she was dealing with before me. And so I felt like I had to, you know, keep her in my life. So I uh, had got a, a settlement from a car accident and proposed to her. And she got pregnant literally, uh, I would probably say about three weeks after we had got engaged. And I begged her. I was like, please, whatever you do, do not have an abortion. I was like, I don't care. I was like, I at the time I had a two bedroom apartment. I was like, hey, you can stay here. We can raise the child. It doesn't matter. She wanted to have any parts. She wanted to get rid of it. But I told her if she had the abortion, our relationship's going to change. Oh, we'll be okay. We can later on. Let's just focus on the marriage. And so immediately, like I was the dummy. I took her to get the abortion, and I like. You, uh, when you mentioned in our, our, our conversation a little earlier of having an outer body experience and I felt like when she had it there was something like a soul was just ripped apart a, a, a portion of my soul was ripped away and I at that point I was already drinking heavily but I started to increase the volume of alcohol like I was drinking anywhere between 3 to 440 ounces a day like this is this is no joke. I think the most I may have drank in one day, and I didn't get sick was like five forties. Well, you and, suffered a loss. That yeah. I would consider that like a loss. Mm-hmm. And so, I stayed engaged with her. Um, I still had money in my pocket, so of course she wanted to go Vegas, go here, spend my money. But once that money ran out, it seems like she wanted to um, leave too, and. Um, there was an incident where one morning, cause we were, we were at this point, we were now living together and I had an apartment in Scottsdale and I had an apartment in West Phoenix and I kind of was going back and forth cause I was still in a lease and she like, I don't know. I, she caught me when I was drunk and she got me to sign a form saying that I was no longer on the lease and I didn't really realize it. So we get in, um, I go to work I was working for this organization and I shouldn't have went to work that day. I came home drunk and just me and her just got into a, well, I just went off on her. And I was like, you, you know, you aborted a child. Now you got me watching your kids while you were in the club and 
I just went like total demon mode. And one thing led to another. I did damage to a door. I don't know if the neighbors called the police, but somebody, somehow the police got there. Police told me, hey man, you need to uh, just leave. We're not gonna you know, do anything, just go. I leave, go to Circle K, go get some more to drink. Come back, all hell broke loose. I just tore up the apartment. And the police was like, well, you know, we could take you to jail. And I was like, you're right. And they're like, well, just go outside. So I go outside sitting on the curb and I'm just talking shit. And I was just like, yo, man, like, I can't believe that I stayed with this woman for at this point, it was like nine months. And for her to sit here and say that I don't live here. I'm like, here's a checkbook that says this and this and that. My driver's license says this address but you're believing her. I said, all my clothes is in here. I'm a sneakerhead, So all my shoes was in there and I had to leave. And so the cop was like, you need to be quiet. And I asked him one question. I said, have you ever been in love? And I said, well, love will make you do crazy things. He put them handcuffs on. So I went to jail, spent the night in jail. I think about 17 hours. I ended up losing my job because of some other stuff. And then I was basically like, didn't have a place to stay. So I left. I went to Air. I, mean, I went from Phoenix to Minnesota. Um, during that time, I decided to go to the military, but it didn't work out because I had um, high blood pressure. So I ended up um, waiting a little while longer, got my blood pressure down, and I joined. So I was in the Army for basically six years. Now, um, I'll just give you the, the most condensed version of that. The Army is an institution where they encourage drinking, they support drinking, they have alcohol on the base, they let really? you know when they have sales. <laughs> and if you go to a training exercise, if you're in the field for a couple of weeks or 30 days, one of the very first things when the soldiers get released, they head to the, uh, the Class 6, which is like the liquor store, and they get, get their alcohol. They'll, they'll, depending on if they like you, They'll cover up for you if you got drinking issues. They covered up pretty well for me, but there were people that turned their backs on me. And, um, but yeah, my, my army career was pretty rocky as far as, you know, getting in, getting in trouble. I got arrested, um, um, one, well, twice I got detained one time for going off on a cop on base. I got arrested, um, for being drunk on duty. I was uh, went to work on a Saturday, got drunk. What I mean, did they reprimand you, or it was kind of just like a slap on the wrist? No, that that one was uh, they they call it extra duty. It's well, it's called a, oh, um, okay. a Article Fifteen. Okay, and they have a company grade and a field grade. And so I got a company grade, so that that stays. It doesn't go on your permanent record, but if you get oh, okay. a field grade, Article Fifteen, <laughs> no matter where you go throughout your army career, it'll be on your record. So I, I got arrested. I was, they, 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 they helped me probably for like about an hour and a half to just get the alcohol off. And then somebody from my unit came. So I was on extra duty for 30, I think it was either two weeks or 30 days. So I would work my regular day, get off work. And then I would basically be the, be working until midnight and then got to wow. wake up all over again at five o'clock in the morning work and then do all that stuff but that was seven days a week so if i was off on a saturday and sunday i would have to wake up at like seven or eight o'clock 
and be doing, like you said, uh, out there picking up trash on, on the side of the freeway, mm-hmm. we might have been picking up trash on the side of the army base. So were you was sober during this these this moment? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um like, when did you have time to drink if you drank? It, well, no, I not not really. Or if if they gave me a break. I might go buy the alcohol or something, and then I once I got off, got done at midnight. Some like some of the guys were cool uh, in terms of the unit. Like if I like during the week, if I was at the unit, they might let me go home at like ten instead of like yeah. leaving me there till midnight. So I still would have enough time to get me a drink or two in, but I knew that I had to get up in a couple of hours. But um, yeah, the the drinking in the army was bad. I. I was a victim of domestic violence where my ex-wife was uh ended up getting arrested. And uh and basically <laughs> and um and so she uh because of that um that that situation, um they sent me to rehab because I was drunk when when she attacked me because uh, she had cut my leg up with some with a mason jar that had alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. And so um I did 30 days. And when I came back, they pretty much was like, you know, you need, uh, we're, we're going to kick you out. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm over the army anyway. So at this point, um, I was getting ready to get kicked out, but all my paperwork somehow just mysteriously got lost. And I promise I didn't throw it away, but a lot of my disciplinary paperwork was no longer there. And they said, you know, we can't kick you out, but- wow. You know, we'll 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 just let you finish your contract. I said, no, you're not going to let me finish it. I'm going to get a medical discharge. So I got the medical discharge, and um, I got out August 2015. Now, um, this is just me, but the transition from uh, getting out the army into the civilian world, I couldn't handle it. So for the next year, uh, 20 uh, August 2015 till. November of 2016, I can just tell you I was on like the longest binge as far as drinking. Um, it it landed me, uh, you know, run-ins with the police. My ex-wife would call the police. Never got arrested, but a lot of times she would call. There was one time she assaulted me. The police, they still wouldn't take her. They and took so, you? No, they didn't take me oh, either. Okay. They're like, just go into the other room. I was like, right. okay. But um, now... Like I had um, 2016, I I was I ended up doing nine days in a hospital with a pancreatitis. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but my my pancreas like swelled from up from the drinking, mm-hmm. yeah, and I almost died. I gained like 25, 30 pounds in three days, then lost 40 pounds in literally like two and a half days. Like it was the most craziest thing, but I still didn't um, get the message. The day I got out of uh, the hospital, I went to go drink. Uh, the next day, I went to go drink. And I drank for a couple of more months until my lease was up. And um, my ex-wife, we weren't together no more. And I didn't have nowhere to go, so I went to a homeless shelter. On the same street, um, uh, it's called the Phoenix Rescue Mission. I lived off of 35th Avenue um, in Baseline in Phoenix. That homeless shelter was on 35th Avenue on Laura Buckeye. When I say it was like two miles away from where I used to live, two hours away. Wow. So I was actually sober 
for 45 days before I got sober to where I am today. And so I did that. I was in there trying to figure out life. Mm -hmm. I wanted to work or per se, but I knew that I wasn't ready. So, so what I, kept you sober in that short amount of time? I didn't have nowhere else. I have nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, either I could be out on the streets or I can actually at least try to have, just have shelter. I mean, I was on medication too. I was already, uh, they had gave me um, all my medication for drinking and stuff like that, that I was, that I was supposed to take when I got released from the hospital. So now I'm like, okay, I'll take it. So that, that allowed me, I mean, yes, I was able to leave the homeless shelter and could have went and got alcohol, but I just was like trying to, I guess, kind of just play it out and see if it'll work. But I ended up getting kicked out of the homeless shelter. They 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 said I stole the towel, oh, which no. which wasn't the case, but <laughs> yeah. but it was it was a blessing though because okay. I got kicked out. I was in a hotel for a couple of days and started drinking. And as I just mentioned, I was taking the medication to not drink, but this time I finally it was got the sick. anti abuse, right? The and I got sick from taking it. Okay. And I drank that night before, passed out. And it just woke up in like pretty much in my sleep and was just throwing up all on the on the bed. Mm -hmm. So I could have died literally that night if I yeah. hadn't had woke up. So called my mom and said, hey, uh, I'm going to drive to to Minnesota. She was like, I don't think you're going to be able to drive. So I went ahead and was like, OK, I had the money. So I bought a plane ticket mm -hmm. and I was still on that bench for probably a couple of weeks until I was able to get into to treatment in the VA. Even and after the incident with the interviews? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I um, called them and literally uh, November 15th um, was the last, the, the last time I took a drink. And we, me and my nephew, uh, we went out the night before, drank, smoked a little bit and was like my nephew was like if you're gonna stop you might as well go out with a bang so we had a good night and then had to go that morning to treatment and i haven't looked back ever since so that was november 2016. so i did 30 days in treatment but i didn't do 30 days in treatment it was i was there i participated but i wasn't there it wasn't like i really wanted to get sober it was like what am i going to do when i get out of treatment you know where am i going to live you know am i going to try to find a job so i had applied to grad school um like i said it, the the va uh where the VA i went to was where i got my bachelor's degree in the city of st cloud so on tuesday it's like all right you know i called my mom's like, I'm, I'm gonna go to you know i'm gonna apply to grad school i applied on tuesday thursday i got accepted and so it was like, all right, let's see what happens when I get out. Um, when I was in treatment, I paid for uh, my car to get shipped from Arizona. I paid for my furniture to get shipped from Arizona. That was in that was in storage. My the car was at my brother's house because I took all the fur. I took everything from my ex wife, mm -hmm. everything. And then after that, it was like, what do I do next? And the day I got out of treatment, I had keys to an apartment. And then my furniture was delivered like two days later. Early in the game, it was like, okay. Everything was set up for you. And mm -hmm. that kind of helped you get back into mm -hmm. society a little mm -hmm. easier. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and they had they had did the recommendations of, you know, going to because they have like an aftercare through the VA. And I was like, no, I don't want it. What, like an outpatient mm-hmm. program? Yeah. I was like, I didn't want to be have any parts because I, I knew that the only way I'm going to make this work is that I just got to just just do it. And so I uh, started grad school like a month later. Like I said, some of my advisors were still there. So I was like, you know, is there a South Africa trip you guys still doing? They were like, yeah. And like I, the government was going to pay for it. So I signed up for it. So I did a study abroad and uh, at uh, Nelson Mandela University oh, in nice. uh, Port Elizabeth, South Africa. That experience within itself truly was like defining on how my life is, you know, is going to be. It was like either I continue to be sober and create situations like this or go back to drinking and then just keep having all these, you know, all these problems. So I came back from South Africa like a changed person. How long did you stay there? Uh, Three weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm, three weeks. And um, only thing I did was I just videotaped my basically all my whole entire experience there were other students from the university that was there so i interviewed them there were some nursing students so i just interviewed them you know their experience and then i just made it into a slideshow that i actually have on youtube so you could check that out too and um and so i just hit the door running i started you know kind of treating myself i bought some dj equipment started djing you know community events, you know, in St. Cloud. I did Juneteenth for two years in a row, retirement parties for dignitaries in the city, you know, a, a lot of high, high-end events that I wouldn't have been able to even have access to if I was still drinking. So I continued my grad, you know, grad school uh, journey. Uh, I've been able to travel. Uh, I'm a, a sports enthusiast. Uh, I love the Chargers. So I got a chance to, uh, go to Cleveland to see a Chargers game against the Browns. I went to Brooklyn, uh, saw the Timberwolves play uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I've been to like uh, baseball games uh, in San Diego. So it's stuff that I wasn't able to do when I was drinking. Now I'm able to do it and have a, you know, have a good time, you know, or no, I'm sorry. Stuff I was doing, you know, going to sporting events. But you're but not I'm, drunk. Yeah, I'm not drunk. I'm not getting kicked out because I, I went to a, a Carolina Panthers game one year and we got kicked out of that game <laughs> in, in yeah. Charlotte. So, yeah, so at least I didn't get kicked out of any of those events. So none of this was triggering. Did you experience any triggers in your sobriety from doing similar things you did when you were drinking? Yes, I sure did. I was put into uh, some situations early in sobriety where um, uh, a buddy of mine that I went to, went to college with, um, I was down at my mom's house for the weekend, excuse me. And, you know, he was like, Hey, you know, you know, Hey, can you, we're having a little get together in my apartment complex. You want to come over? And I was like, you know, I knew, I knew that he drank, but I didn't know that it was going to be like this kind of a party. I walk into the person's apartment and it was almost like, you know, a wine tasting or a BY your own wine or whatever. And it was just like, okay, I'm hungry, but this food is right here in front of me. And this was like the first couple of months. And so we, uh, I, I get a plate 
I go like as far as I can away from like the group of people that were drinking. And so everybody was like, why are you over there? And I'm like, I'm gonna be honest with you, but I don't drink. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't drink anymore. And they're like, oh, so then it was kind of like an icebreaker of a conversation. Like they wanted to know, you know, more about me, but yeah, I didn't yeah. mean that it was early in sobriety. I wasn't, you know, truly having those interactions with people, you know, as they're drinking and I'm over here sober. So it was definitely uncomfortable. And more or less, it was, you know, the, 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 the cravings in terms of the sweaty palms, yeah. you know, the, the mouth watering, like, oh, I want to. But I just knew at that point, you know, the, the little bit of progress that I had already made that, you know, I don't want to jeopardize it. And, and that was kind of one of those things where it was like, especially for me early in, you know, when I got was sober before, you know, in the military, I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to drink. And then I go to one of those type of functions. And that's one of the very first things that I end up doing is I'm leaving this establishment or hanging out with that person. And the very first thing I want to do is drink. So, so yeah. But, did, you, um, did you have um, anything else in place that were that was helping you through your sobriety that you would partake in every day? Um, see what what truly kept me busy, especially early in sobriety, was that I guess my my initial goal when I first got out the military was to go and get my master's degree. Mm -hmm. So that my master's program consumed a lot of my time because it, you know, I was able to just kind of skate through towards the end of, you know, my bachelor's program at St. Cloud state, but I knew that the master's program was going to be a little bit harder. So it was like, that was the, that was the motivation because I had started working on my master's in 2014 and now it's, you know, 2017, 2018. And mm -hmm. I'm now actually, you know, in it, I can just put my mind. And as far as other triggers, was my divorce um i i went in this was april april the 8th of 20 uh, 2017 and i hadn't seen my ex-wife and you know i filed in minnesota and they they told me that like when when she got served the paperwork they, they she never got there was never a response from her but i didn't know if she would actually show up to court so, you know, prior to, I pretty much was just like a thousand and one things was running through my mind. Didn't know if she was going to be there. Didn't know if her family was going to be there, if a fight was going to break out because of just, you know, I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't seen her in, in quite some time. And like I said, she didn't know what was going on in my life and I didn't know what was going on with hers. So I would, I would definitely say because there wasn't closure to that uh, situation for roughly almost six months in, into my sobriety that I still faced those problems because every time that she would contact me, I, I just couldn't, I just, I didn't have, a, you know, the strength to even respond to her, but it, it did affect me. But um, no, I, my family, everybody understood, everybody understood and respected the fact that I was on this sober kick. So it wasn't like, you know, they did, you know, they would still have, you know, parties and functions where alcohol was there, but it was never like, hey, Junior, you want something to drink? Like, they just knew, right. like, don't even bring it 
in his place. Mm-hmm. They you know respected you and, mm-hmm. and like honored your you know boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I would probably say those couple of times is truly, I mean, I've had, you know, you know, the one thing they say early in uh, sobriety, which it just it's not supposed to, but AA, uh, or they told me in rehab, I'll just say they told me in rehab that you shouldn't date the first year of sobriety. Yeah, I say that. <laughs> I they did the same that. thing. Right. And I dated somebody and I almost quit grad school. And it was almost like I'm allowing myself to be back in prior situations and prior relationships. And that was a trigger, you know, a form of abuse. And a buddy of mine, uh, he told me, he was like, don't date. He was like, just focus on you. As, as you mentioned, love yourself. Appreciate what you're doing. And the relationship will come. And, and sure enough, I didn't, you know, I had a little bit of fun. But I didn't really take another, take on another relationship until maybe a couple months before I, uh, I finished my master's program. But I was almost within almost being uh, sober. It was, it was just shy of, of being sober two years. Okay. Plenty so, of time. <laughs> yeah, so. But yeah, it, it, I mean, the, the, my journey is interesting. But I, I guess, like, even with now, like, I, um, I, I, wrote, I wrote the book, you know, 12 Faces of Sober. Uh, the, the college students that I came in contact with, they were the ones who encouraged me to write the book. Because I was working in his office, the Multicultural Student Services office, and you know my my old advisor, like he knew me. You know, I was a wild dude at 21, 22, 23. So he was like, "Man, you got a good story to tell these kids. So tell them." And so I would just sit in the office and be like, "Man, you know why are you you know why are you going to school at at thirty seven? You should be out here trying to raise a family. This and this and that." And I'm like, "Well." I, you know, did that. I, I, I chose the route of this, go to college, get a degree, try to get out in the workforce. Didn't happen. Now, you know, I picked up drinking, homeless, run-ins with the police in various cities. Luckily, I never got a DUI or anything like that, but I deserve to probably have about 50 of them under my record, if not more, oh, yeah. you know, but, and so, I, I did that and they were like, you need to put this on paper. And I was like, and, and as you say, I guess you, I will add this to it as far as the trigger, was going back in my life, talking about some of these touchy situations, you know, talking, to, and I didn't mention it, but you know, I dealt with a miscarriage, um, you know, in my early twenties, dealt with a couple women saying they were pregnant, trying to get money. So a lot of different things, but you know, the the book it it, it kind of talks a, it talks about the you know some of the stuff that I've mentioned here um, I go in a little bit more detail about my first engagement I was engaged two different times before I got married and then it you know so it's a, a chapter for each one of those uh, those uh, relationships I didn't go in depth with other ones but I just I just felt like you know it's kind of like because my the the next book that I'm working on currently is is not like I'm taking anything from the book, but I'm going to talk about some of the, some of the situations. And, um, but yeah, like I, it, it's been my brainchild. I, 
you know, a lot of people think that the 12 comes from the 12 steps. I did think that. Yes, but the 12 (laughs) come from, as we have in common, I got drunk at 12. So that's where the 12 came from. I see. And and that's pretty much what it is. But the faces are sober. Um, The reason why I came up with the faces is that when we're drunk, we, we take pictures making all kinds of faces. And so now those anger faces or sad faces or all those emotional faces are now happiness. They're now blissful. They're all happy because like Wow, that's deep. I like that. Because when I was in when I was in treatment this last time, one of the only things I liked about this counselor, which is kinda kinda cheesy, but they have like the, you know, the emotions. How are you feeling today? Oh uh, yeah. And then you have to tell them why you feel that way today. So it was like, well, shoot, I'm angry. Why? Because I got to sit here and fight. You know, I got to pay $4,000 for an attorney, you know, for a divorce. You know, I'm handling all this stuff in, in rehab. Like I was sitting here. People were shocked that I was like, I had that plan of what I wanted to do when I got out of uh, out of treatment. I'm like, look, I'm, I got I got apartment set up the day I'm leaving. I got, I have my car. I have an apartment. I have, you know, I'm going to school. I didn't have to work because I'm 100% disabled. So I had a plan. Not everybody has a plan, but it was like I saw the plan before I even took that that true commitment. And then one thing I want to add, and I and I and I stress this with every time I I get on to speak, is that the the one thing that that stood out the most as the the reason why I got sober is because my mom. Uh, had a conversation with me. This is before I had called to schedule to go to, to treatment. She said, um, what can I do to help you? And I was obviously drunk or just waking up from drinking. And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, I don't want to bury my son. So when she said that, that hit a little bit different because I'm the youngest of of her, uh, you know, my, my four siblings, I mean, five siblings. And so it was kind of like, you know, I know that losing one kid would be enough, but for her to lose her youngest, you know, probably be really traumatic, especially the path that I was going. Like they took a life insurance policy. Like I was, I was on a, on a, on a really bad path. And so, um, the book in, in, and it talks about like the, the first, uh, the first couple of years of, um, being sober, how I met my, uh, now, uh, soon to be wife. Um, we met on on Facebook. I, you know, I was trying to change my healthy, healthy living. I was diagnosed with diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, um, amongst the physical damages that I had when I was in the army. And so I was trying to switch up to be becoming a vegan. And I was in a a, a black vegan group, and they were like, uh, "Fellas, post a picture in the suit." So you know, I'm single. Mm-hmm. I've been out here doing community work. I got plenty of suits. I posted a picture and it was like, people was hitting likes. I'm like, okay, well, this is time for me to go shoot my shot. So went through, reached out to a couple. They didn't work out. Sent her a message. She was like, hello. (laughs) I was like, all right, well, what's happening? And that was the blessing. Mm -hmm. She pushed me to, uh, you know, truly write the book. She told me the process. She's been nothing but supportive. As I mentioned, she's a therapist. And, um, you know, she's helped me in the latter stages of my sobriety. Um, I never envisioned of a 
being with a woman drink, you know, that's sober because I've been so used to being with women who drink. Right. So these are all firsts for me in this relationship. So I just knew like from the first time we had a video call, like I'm not letting this woman go. And I, and I don't plan on it. And it's, it'll be three years on Valentine's day. Congrats. I love that. Do you still have all of the support today in your life from your family? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, as I mentioned, um, about AA, my, my sponsor, her name is Marie. Uh, big shout out to Marie. She's from Luxembourg. <laughs> I have to say that she's now 80. I would say 84. She just turned 84 in September. Wow. She, and, and you know, and, 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 and I'm very glad and thankful that I, I spoke with you because like, I know that I'm not just making this up, but like my sponsor, like she truly knows when I'm having those, those moments without even me having to reach out to her. Like I was struggling a couple of days ago, just got a random text message and was like, Hey, you know, how you doing? I'm not doing too good. And then mm -hmm. she came with, you know, a couple answers as far as, I mean, I, I, I first want to shout out just with me doing this whole sober, um, sober journey, the people that I have met and the, the people that I have been able to share with just the, the opportunity that, that I've done there, people will reach out to me on a regular and be like, keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're inspiration. Hey, I'm only 30 days in sobriety, 90 days into sobriety. So a lot of times <clears throat> that motivates me more than anything. My mom, you know, I'm thankful that she's still living. I'm thankful that, um, that I could be able to call her and let her know that I am okay, that I'm not, you know, cause before I was calling every, you know, calling her drunk, like my ex-wife is tripping. I hate the army. I don't want to be here. I just want to leave. So, and then, like I said, my sister in Minnesota, my nephew, me and my nephew uh, are only six years apart. So he's like my little brother. So he, he, he still drinks, but he's respectful enough that he doesn't drink in front of me. And if he does, we're not, you know, in close proximity. So I do. And then, like I said, a lot of my friends, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I have had some good relationships where I still have friends from like elementary school and elementary college that it still hold me accountable to this day, just to make sure that I'm not trying to go, you know, back to that route of drinking. Cause they know that that life was, was really bad for me. And you mentioned therapy. Do you still do that today? Does that still help you? I, yes, yes. When, well, no, I mean, I, I'm consistent with it. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I love my therapist. I, I love it. I, I, I love her. She, she's really, you know, really cool. It took a while for me to find the right therapist. Mm -hmm. And I had an issue um, with a therapist when I first got sober and I had to go uh, to, what was it? To file a complaint because I was like, nah, like, you're supposed to be trying to help me. Like you're, you're making me more and more upset and I just don't want to go through this, you know? So I would say that, but definitely I, I see my therapist uh, virtually anywhere between two or three times a month. So we, we, I've been pretty much like, I've been actively back in um, therapy for almost a year now. I'm just, just shy of a year. So yeah, it, it helps. I mean, because I'm going through a lot of changes uh, mm -hmm. myself right now. My lady, she's, she probably won't see this anytime soon, but I just, well, we just got approved to buy a house. 
And um, so I'm, I'm awesome. dealing with, yeah, and, yeah. and it's, getting, it's getting built from the ground up. So I- you know Everything um, is always changing every single day. <laughs> constantly. But you know what? We can face these changes sober and that's pretty amazing, right? Most definitely. Oh, that, yeah. that, that's, that's what I like about it is that despite all that's coming at me, is that I have no choice but to deal with it over like, oh man, all this stuff is coming at me. Let me go run to the liquor store real quick. Let me let me not even think about this right now. You know, that that's that was my mindset before. My ex-wife is tripping. Let me go to the liquor store. Mm-hmm. We get into a fight. Let me go to the liquor store a little bit more. Me and my lady have disagreements now. Take a little cool off period. Come back and talk about it. But it, there's no points to where I, I need to go drink but therapy therapy definitely is key especially like i said i have you know ptsd victim of domestic violence um anxiety depression sleep apnea so extreme headaches so i have a lot of different things and i i the one thing that i will stress is that a lot of people there there are ways to get the services now you don't have to be necessarily concerned of the cost because there are people that, that, that don't charge as much and there are some free programs. I definitely highly recommend if you are confused in your life and you need to talk to somebody, please seek the help. Even even through sobriety, just to kind of navigate through, you know, navigate through your process. Definitely it's, it's, reaching it's, out is very important. Mm-hmm. You gave some really good advice. Is there anything else that you would like to share with anybody who's in active addiction or thinking about becoming sober or, you know, just struggling today? Like, what would you tell them? If you have it in your mind that you that you want to quit, it's not going to be easy. You will you may not be successful on the first attempt. You may not be successful on the second attempt and so on and so forth. But, you know, if you can't do it by yourself, be sure that you do reach out, reach out to the, the right resources. Um, if it is a spiritual leader, if it is a local AA, if it is, you know, self-admitting yourself, because I, I went to a, a, a rehab that, I got on state aid in Minnesota, my very first time going to rehab. So, and even, you know, even through the process, I know that I explained that this last time I didn't take it as serious. It was only because I knew that if I continue to drink, I'm going to die. So it was like, keep drinking and have a short life or get sober. And, and and add years to your life. I feel I'm 42, but I feel like there are extra years left on my life because I gave up alcohol. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And I, I would say visually see what you want to do in the future. If you got to do a vision board, whatever it is, but make, you know, set the goals short enough that you can actually achieve them. You know, I I know, you know, I, I planned on going to grad school, but I just knew that if I put my mind on that and not focus on work, then I'll be able to do it. You have to trust the people that 
are there for your best interest. If there's people that are trying to take you to a bar, take you to a club, and heck, even at a restaurant, and you sitting at the bar, those are the people that you just don't want to be around. You know, surround yourself with like-minded people. There are enough people out here on social media. There's more than one platform to find some people. Just keep following people. Just keep following. Add a whole lot of people, even if you never come on their page. Just add them, view what they're saying, watch their videos, read their posts, see how their life is. And then you shape your your life, your plan, what, what best suits you. But the most important thing is just to sustain sobriety. So, and like I said, my, my, even though I just gave that long list, my sponsor says, keep it simple. Yeah. I, I try my best to, to truly plan my day out. And if it's a whole lot of stuff then it's a whole lot of stuff I have to do that particular day, but I don't try to, I mean, there, there are big goals that I'm trying to achieve, but these smaller goals, which is me staying sober every day outweighs those those bigger goals because those goals will will get there it'll work itself out but me trying to stay sober today is what's most important yeah keep it one day at a time that is true that is true well thank you for coming on and sharing your story we do have a lot of time (laughs) yeah i like i said i i uh i just want to say thank you um uh, for allowing me to, to come on and share and um you know I'm just happy that I'm able to do it. And um, like I said, I am very thankful. I want to say thank you, too, because I didn't know that you bought my book. So I just want to say thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate it. No. I wish I would have known. Like I said, I would have got you a signed copy. Uh, you know? Well, yeah. I have a, I put it on my Kindle, but, you know. Okay. Yeah, most I'll definitely. take a signed copy. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah, most definitely. But like I said. Oh, you said you had a podcast, too? I you sure did. talk about all the stuff that you're doing for the recovery okay. community and then I'm also going to link it below my video on YouTube and then I'll link it um under my podcast for everybody to find you. Okay. Well, um my 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 podcast is on YouTube uh, under 12 Faces of Sober. Uh basically I have interviewed uh therapists. Uh I've interviewed uh, a former NFL player. I've um uh, interviewed authors as well as uh, people uh, like yourself in the recovery community. We all have a story. We, we, we all uh, have a blueprint of what we went through. We have a blueprint of how we got sober and now what we're trying to do to maintain sobriety. And so that's what it's more or less is showcasing is that you know we can all recover together, but we have to be able to be open-minded and listen to, to other people's stories. Because, like I said, I didn't know, we didn't know that we had the stuff we had in common. So that's what it's more or less about is, you know, the platform for people to share and um, and that. And then also, um, that's on YouTube, but I'm actually about to be featured, um, and you can look out for that. Um, but I uh, that one's called The Sober.app. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be on that, too. Oh, they reached so- out to me, so... Yeah, the sober app. Shout out to them. Yeah, shout out. So excited for that. Definitely. Yeah, I I just I spoke with them yesterday, and everything. So I I submitted a lot of my information. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I um, the I guess the good thing is, um, you know, with within within this community, you never know who you're gonna come in contact with. 
you know, and, and that's what I like about it because it's like, you know, you, you know, look at the similarities. Okay. We both are about to be on this app. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's good. Now we're two people out here that we both know each other that's on the same plan. It's got a good story. So we can basically send each other, you know, Hey, check her out, check me out, you know, and, and that's what it is. But, Oh, and then the last thing is I mentioned I have two books that I um, just finished. Well, no, I finished a children's book like two, about two and a half weeks ago. What is that called? Um, Three, uh, I don't know for sure if I want to give out the title. Oh, yet. okay, no, no. It's, okay. it's about baseball. It, it, that one, because I, I, I haven't decided only because I have multiple titles. So I don't want to necessarily throw it out there yet. But like I say, it depends on the visual of, of what, you know, what is going to the, the book itself. So that's why I want to see the illustration first and then that title is going to come afterwards. But the, the Army book is uh, is what I'm currently working on now. Um, and like I said, I have the website, 12 Faces Sober. I have, you know, hoodies, T-shirts. I have tights for women. I got workout shorts for women. Um, sweatshirts, hoodies, beanies, baseball hats, snapbacks. Um, so 12 Faces of Sober is, is trying right. to, you know, be a brand. So I got a little bit of everything. You got to get some swag. <laughs> yeah, that'll, like I said, because I'm, 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 you know, I'm about to buy some equipment, you know, once I get into the house to where, you know, I'll be able to, you know, really customize what people are looking for in terms of the colors of shirts. I'm going to add raglan uh, baseball shirts to it eventually, probably like in the spring or summer. So there's a lot of different things. And that's hopefully, awesome. more, hopefully more collaborations uh, with sober people like yourself. That's that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to navigate. I'm probably going to have to pick your brain in terms of how to upload all these things to these different uh, these contents because that, that's the only thing I'm lacking. But I've been, I, I've been procrastinating. <laughs> needless to say but I'm a, it I'm a happens yeah, for sure Steph. but like i said thank you thank you yeah. for this opportunity thank uh, you really so much for coming on and sharing your story great having you and right. we'll catch up later okay. all right thank you all right take care